About four months ago at the Rock Church in Sacramento, California, brother and sister T.F. Tenney came and ministered to us, and it was wonderful. They are just wonderful, delightful people, mightily used of the Lord. And uh, I had never really heard a woman that I think, I've, I've read some things and heard a few tapes by Sister Vesta Mangan, and she's a tremendous woman of God. But Sister Tenney is, said some things that were very profound and very powerful. And one thing that she said was this. She said, don't let your good take away from your best. She said, there's many things that we can do for God that are good. There's many things that we can do around the house of the Lord that are good. There are things that we can be involved with on a daily basis that are not directly connected with coming to church, situations like that, but they are good. They are things that, that, that have to be taken care of. But don't let your good get in the way of your best. And that thing which is best is to be in his presence, spending time with him. Because all that we consider to be good and all that we consider to be things that are important pale in comparison with our best, which is his presence in our lives. I don't know why the Lord wants to change directions tonight, but it's the will of God to change directions. The book of Joshua is full of directions that are changed, new courses that are to be taken, new ground that is to be taken. Praise the Lord. In this portion of scripture that we read tonight in your hearing, these two sisters receive the Lord into their house. You can't have Jesus in your presence if you don't receive him. And so that's the very, very first thing that as a matter of fact, I just jotted down a few things as I was sitting there, just believing that God was putting things into my heart and into my mind. And the very first thing that I recognized in this scripture was, you can't really serve God, and you can't really be in the presence of God, and you can't really get into the presence where Jesus Christ is face to face unless you receive him into your life. You must ask him into your house. We have already covered in this revival how many times that the human body, the human life is typified and likened into a house and into a temple. And when the Lord is in the temple and when the Lord is in the house, then we can have the type of fellowship that God would desire to have of us. Hallelujah. Through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, through the receiving of God's spirit into our heart, by obeying the uh, words of the apostles to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and be filled with the Holy Ghost, you too can have Jesus Christ in your house, as it were. But in this portion of Scripture, the very first thing that takes place is Jesus Christ comes into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. It's interesting to note 
right off the bat here that Mary was the one that received him into her house. And yet it is Mary that is found sitting at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. Mary has chosen that most needful part, that part that is needful to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his word. Hallelujah. We're living in a day and an age where church growth is so important. And uh, Brother Elder and I have talked about some of the things with going and being part of an organization and a movement where men have a tendency to categorize and to put emphasis on numbers. But I want to tell you something. The most needful thing is, are you getting what Jesus is saying at his feet? Praise God. This is most contradictory to our church world today that believes that you've got to have the huge parking lot that's full. And, and I believe that God's going to give us that. Hallelujah. But where are we really? Are we sitting at the feet of Jesus receiving his word? That is the most needful part. Hallelujah. Martha was cumbered about with much serving. Oh, God. I'm going to tell you what, that there's not a message that a preacher has to give that doesn't first go across his desk. And I want to be used of God. I want to be effective for God. And I believe that this man wants to be effective for God. And I believe you people want to be effective for God. But we can get so cumbered about with so much serving and programs and situations and daily activities. But Jesus said that she has chosen that most needful part. And where was she? She was at the feet of Jesus Christ and listening to his word. She wasn't doing all the talking. She wasn't telling the Lord, well, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. And we're gonna do it this way and we're gonna do it that way. She was receiving of the Lord. She has chosen. I'm telling you, there's so much in this portion of scripture. God's has given it to me as I'm giving it to you. It was choice. It was a matter of choice that Mary chose to be cumbered about with many things. And we need to do what we're doing for God. Man, I believe that. And since I've been here, we've done a lot of things. We need to do more. I mean, I need to do more. You need to do more. God knows we all need to do more. But there needs to be an aspect of our life that that thing which is our best remains our best. And that which is good takes secondary, is secondary to our best. There's nothing like praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't know how much everybody here prays. I know I don't pray enough. I've never met a human being that said that they prayed enough. I've met a lot of them that think they pray a lot and act like they pray a lot. And I know a lot of them that act like they pray that ain't praying. But I need to do that which is most needful. Oh, God. And I just believe that we're at this place in this revival, Brother Elder, where God is trying to tell us something. From the greatest to the least. 
one thing is needful. There is no substitute for the presence of God. And I almost think sometimes that some of us just come to church to salve our conscience. Because what would everybody think if that, if that little seat where we always sit is empty? What would everybody say to us the next time they see us if, if we don't show up a couple weeks, even though we don't really feel like coming? I'm going to tell you why. It's because we need to choose that most needful part and stay there. Mary was, was caught up in the details. She was caught up in the peripheral matters of church life. She was caught up in the things that they're important. Yes, they need to be done. Washing the dishes, taking care of sweeping the floor, making sure all the instruments are tuned. But nothing will take the place of sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. Nothing will take the place of a move of God that goes so deep to your soul that it ministers to you. And you know that you've heard from God. And you can receive the word of faith that can get you from point A to point B. No matter how much the devil rolls no matter how much things look dismal, no matter how much the bills sit there not getting paid, God is able to see you through. But only if you take the first move by getting into his presence and getting down on your knees and sitting at his feet. Martha chose the most needful part by choice. And I've got another message that's called the power of choice and every human being's got a will. And what you do with that will, will, no pun intended, but it will dictate what road you take. You're either going to take the high road like Abraham or you're going to take the low road like Lot because of the power of choice. And that's a very fitting type, I believe, because here, we have Martha down on her knees at the feet of Jesus. There were powerful things that took place at the feet of Jesus. The woman that broke the alabaster box was at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. The woman with the issue of blood crawling on her hands and knees was at the height of Jesus' feet and grabbed but the, the hem of his garment. There are powerful things that take place at the feet of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But humanity with its pride and the artificiality that takes place with the veneer of we're doing all we can for God and I'm really living for God. I'm here to tell you, God, I want to be under your microscope tonight. I want to hear from you. I want something that's real. I want something that's genuine. I want something that's in the spirit. I want something that I can bank on. I can count on. I don't care about all this fleshly hoopla da that's gone tomorrow with a shout, well, we need shouting. We need all that stuff. Man, living, we had church last, did we have church last night? I'm gonna tell you what, man, that was one of the high points in my career, quote unquote. I'm telling you what, I saw this youth group here, man, I tell you, they look like Patton's Fifth Army, man. That devil. Hey, I'll tell you what, man, the enemy wasn't within 100 meters of this place. 
we had church and we're having church tonight but see it's the will of God to change directions because it's God that knows what we need I could throw away those those notes praise God but God is trying to convey to us that one thing is needful praise the Lord Mary was concerned with her sister's doings Matter of fact, she went to the Lord and said, don't you care that, that I'm doing all this stuff and, and, and she's not doing anything? And that's the way it is in the flesh. We look at somebody that, that is getting closer to God when we're hustling and bustling around and pointing fingers going, they're not doing anything. The flesh will never be able to judge the things that are happening in the spirit. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. But see, because Martha exercised her power of choice, she was able to truly be spiritual. She was truly to able to humble herself at the feet of Jesus and listen. I'm going to be honest, when I get all geared up and wound up and, and chomp at the bit, I'm not a real good listener. I get, I get a mindset, I get a word from God and I built a whole infrastructure on it in my mind of how, okay, I've just heard from God, we're going to do it this way, we're going to do it that way. And uh, man, I'm ready to go. <sighs> Some of you are sitting there looking at me like, man, is this preaching? Yeah, this is preaching. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You may get one little, ver you may only get one little word of scripture and build a whole world on it where, hey, that's okay, man. The word says this, and I I'm a little bit out here on a branch, but it's okay. The word says it. Let me tell you something. Being a listener is a lot harder than being a talker and a true leader that really knows how to counsel understands that most counseling is about 70% listening. There's some people, all you got to do is push their button. Oh, that's nice. I got to get going. What'd they say? I don't know. That's because talkers have a way of tuning you off. But Martha chose to be a listener. She sat at the feet and listened to the words of Jesus Christ. She was in a mode of worship. I'm going to tell you something. And I've heard this taught before and I believe it. We, we can say, lift our hands, let's worship the Lord. That's not worship, that's praise. The word worship in the Old Testament is exactly the same in the New Testament. You know what it means? I looked it up once in Hebrew. It means prostrate. That's all it means. One word for worship in the Old Testament. Prostrate. And it means total surrender and relinquishment of everything. But it is a position where you get down. Martha was in a position of worship.
And I'm going to tell you something. Praise. There is a wonderful power to praise. Praise is powerful. But it's only second to worship. Because I'm going to tell you what happens in worship, friend. In worship is where your total relinquishment of everything is where God equips. See, God does a lot of work in praise. But in worship, he gives to you. Right. Where praise is first, you've got to use praise to get into the deeper aspect of worship. And people that have been in intercessory prayer, I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't give intercessory prayer to everybody because not everybody will pray. We'll come to God and go, oh, God, I'm, I'm, and I know what I'm talking about here. Sometimes I've wanted to intercede and I just can't get that deep. Why? Because I'm cumbered about with too many other things. And God will only give intercession to people that he is familiar with. And when you come to God, and God, I want to pray, and that is interceding, but it's not where the Spirit makes intercession. That type of intercession only comes from you getting down time and time and time again. And the Spirit is familiar with moving through you. And the Spirit can make intercession with you through groanings which cannot be uttered because you've been in that situation so many times before. But if that position is new to you, it's unlikely that that will happen time and time again. It has to be a familiar spot for you. Abraham could go and worship and build an altar because he was familiar with building altars. But his lineage, we never read where Isaac was a great altar builder. We never read where Jacob was a great altar builder. I'm going to tell you why. Because the second generation... The second generation is hardly ever mentioned in terms of being a mover and a shaker for God. Abraham was, but Isaac was not. And Jacob, the third generation, had to find God all over again for himself. Abraham was the mover and shaker because he was a worshiper. Isaac for lack of, of better terminology, he rode on Abraham's coattails. And here comes Jacob. Had to wrestle with an angel to get what he needed from God. Because Daddy Isaac never taught him how to build an altar. And I could go on on that point. But Martha was in a mode of worship. And the Lord seeks true worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what's going to make this a powerful church. You, you guys are already powerful. And I got to thinking last night, Brother Elter, I woke up, some guy pulled up about five feet my, from my trailer with a flat tire. I didn't know he had a flat tire. I got my flashlight out. I got out of the trailer. I wrote the guy's license number. I was 
I never had anybody that was that close to me. I mean, I've lived in duplexes and houses and stuff, and, and I've always got a fence up and everything, but I'm in a trailer now. And so some guy was five feet away from my trailer, and I got out of the trailer, and I wrote down his license plate, and I stayed up for about three, four hours peeking out of, of the blinds waiting for this guy. What in the world is this guy doing? Well, when I got up this morning and looked at the other side of the car, he had a flat tire. The guy was nowhere around. He just parked his car because he had a flat tire. The parable of the story is look on the other side. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I was thinking about this. I, this church is so powerful. And I'm going to tell you why you're powerful. It's because not one time that I have come to a church service to minister, did I not feel the powerful, awesome majesty of God Almighty that was ready to minister, that was ready to heal, that was ready to deliver. Somebody's been on their knees in this church. Somebody's found the mind of God for this church. Somebody has been in the Word, sitting at the feet of Jesus in this church. Can you just imagine what would happen if it was running on all eight cylinders? And everybody, somebody's praying. And we've done that, man. There's been people praying and fasting every day and thank God for you. But I'm going to tell you, if you could get everybody to do that and run on eight cylinders, and I know how it is to work. Man, I'll tell you, I know how it is to work and fast. It's hard to come home with a smile on your face when you've been fasting all day. Hi, honey. Mm. Where are you going? Oh, got a headache. But I'm going to tell you something. There is power in this church because this church knows how to lift up Jesus Christ. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. But Martha got down and Jesus was up. That was the whole concept. While Mary was on her own two feet walking around hustling and bustling, Martha was down and Jesus was up. We can run around and, and, and bang into the walls and bang into this town and tell everybody about Jesus. And we can run around like a bunch of Jehovah Witnesses. A cardboard smile. A little watchtower to place in your hand and expect that to scare you into living for God. I'm here to tell you, when this church has the goods, you don't have to scare anybody. It's the power, the love of Jesus Christ uh, that flows and emanates out of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And uh, that's just the way it is. That ain't man's law, that's God's way of doing things. Man was down, Jesus was up. Oh God. Now this one, Mary was caught up with a lot of selfish ambition. No, Mary. Did I get the background? Boy, I better go back and read this, folks. I get a, I'm sorry. You're right. Let me go back over here and again. Now, Martha was... 
send this tape to headquarters, man. I'll never go anywhere. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, God can, I believe in holy laughter. I believe there's a time and a place for holy laughter. If some of you would laugh once in a while, God would break off the shackles from your eyes and believe that it ain't as bad as you think it is. Hallelujah. There is joy in the Holy Ghost. I've seen a lot of holy mopers. But you said something the other night that's the truth. See, when you focus so much on what you're doing, this fits so well with, with Martha. Thank you. Martha was so caught up in what she was doing, man. There wasn't no joy there. There wasn't, there wasn't no peace of God. There wasn't no worship. There wasn't no spirit. There wasn't no word of God. It's flustering around the house. It was selfish ambition. I've been there. And God has got to knock me down a few notches every now and then. Because it's like I said, I get, I get so revved up and, and nowhere to go. Because I know what the book says. The Holy Ghost is good. God is true. People need God. And I go out there like, like a, a Mac 10 truck and try to run, every, run over everybody. When I first got the Holy Ghost, I used to go into Bible bookstores and preach to people about the apostolic doctrine. How can you people have walls and walls covered with books and not even know where Acts chapter 2 is and know where the oneness of God is stated? And they'd say, well, man, we love you, man, but I'm trying to run a business around here. Please, you know. But they loved me. They loved my zeal. They could see that I was ignorant I had a zeal after godliness, but not according to knowledge. But Martha is, is caught up in what she thinks is important. Oh, the master's here. I got to get this in order. I got to get this and, and we got to get it all shined up and all these people are coming and we got to get it all and we got to get this thing all straight and uh, the building's totally got to be taken care of. There's people that have put so much emphasis on building that they can't get down and worship Jesus so that he can get lifted up and that's why the Lord's not in their house anymore. The Lord was not in their city anymore. You can walk across this nation and you can see man after man who has brought buildings on the external and had big churches and big buildings and no way to bring Jesus into it. But Mary was doing the most needful thing. She had chosen to sit at the feet and stay in his presence. And that's where true church is. It's where you're in the presence of the living God. She, she went to the Lord. She had the audacity to go to the Lord and say, uh, 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 my sister, she's, she's not doing what I'm doing. She's not doing as much as I am. And I even think that, I'm going to tell you what, a spirit of competition will do more to ruin a young preacher. I'm going to tell you what, God had to help me see that. 
and this spirit of competition. And really, the ones that are in competition are the ones that are caught up in the flesh. The one that's really getting it in the spirit, they're in another world. They don't even care about your competition. They're at the feet of Jesus. But I used to be a young preacher in Sacramento, and I can remember this, Brother Elder. I was so stupid. Is I would go to God in prayer, and I would pray from the, from the aspect that I've got to get ahead of everybody because I've got to be first in line so that I can be, I can do this for God and I can do that for God and God, look how good I am and I've got all these brownie buttons on my lapel. It don't work that way. When you get into the presence of God and you hearken unto his word and you're able to obey his word, you will ascend according to his word. I am preaching to myself because God's first given a lot of this stuff to me. You know, I wanted to be a real slick evangelist, but I'm going to tell you what, the more that I get closer to God, the more I don't even, I don't care about that slick evangelist stuff. I just want to love God and bring other people into the glory of Jesus Christ because he's available. He's nothing more than belief away. That is more needful than all the lauds and accolades of my peers. Because while my peers on the veneer and on the outside are hustling and bustling, I want to be down at the feet of Jesus going, Lord, I want what you want. Your will, not mine! When Jesus Christ was doing that, the disciples were out there taking a nap, caught up in the flesh. Oh God. She said, Lord, could you ask her to, to come and help me? My burden, I can't carry my own burden. I gotta get, I gotta get this, this burden in the flesh here and I gotta give it to somebody else. That's always the way, the way it is in the carnality. Your problems look so big in the carnal realm. It's so big, Pastor. And a lot of the stuff that you put on this man right here, if you just get in the spirit and pray and let God give you a word of faith, you wouldn't have to bug him as much. Now, I don't know who's bugging him. I don't know. I know that that type of element is alive in every church. There's stuff that he, he would probably just like to tell you, look, have you prayed today? Well, no, I've called the doctor, but I haven't prayed today. I'm, spoke to, I'm supposed to take two aspirin for a, for a bothered gizzard and call him back in a week. What am I going to do? But that's what happens when you got somebody that's caught up in the flesh. All of a sudden, they're trying to push their thing off on you. Their problem gets so big because their perspective is it's in the flesh. The person in the spirit goes, it's no problem. Just get down here with me. Let's love him. Let's lift our hands and love him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
praise the name of God in Jesus' name. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah to the mighty name of God in Jesus' name. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for your love. Jesus said, Thou art careful and trouble about many things. I'm going to tell you something. That word careful means anxious. And uh, anybody that has lived for God and ha who has tried to excel for God has gotten anxious once or twice. And I'm going to tell you something. That word careful means anxious. You guys don't do that in Pueblo, huh? I would say something, but I'm not going to embarrass this good man. But here she was going to the Lord with her carnal problem. And the Lord completely changed directions on her. That perfect example of changing directions. The Lord did not even address her question. Look at her question here. Lord, does that now care that my sister has left me to serve alone? The Lord says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Didn't even, didn't even acknowledge the content of her questioning. And I, I really believe what I'm feeling. I've just got this from the Holy Ghost. If some of us would get into the presence of God, he would not even address your situation because your problem would fall off. Sometimes I'll go, this happens, I'm telling you, this is a spiritual truth. I'll go to God with a problem. And in the process of getting into the presence of God, I'll recognize it's not even a problem anymore. It's just the fact that I'm caught up with thinking about things that are every day, things that are carnal, but in his presence, they evaporate. I'm telling myself right now, Brother Rick, this is good preaching because I need this. I told Brother Mahaney once, I said, man, that's good. And he said, I know it. Everybody turned around and looked at me, man, like I was smoking a cigar in church. I used to be the most radical guy in church. I'm going to tell you something else. What I had to learn was... I used to be one of the most radical of the radicals when I first got the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you two things about that. Don't judge a person by their zeal or lack of. We need people with zeal, but there's a difference between putting on a front of jumping up and down once a week and having a concentration of zeal. That takes maturity and time to develop. But I learned, see, I'd been Rick the wild man. When God began to process me, huh? Are you bugging me while I'm trying to preach this message, man? <laughs> of what, messing things up? 
Hallelujah. But what happened was, as God was developing me, and is still developing me, that I could learn to go wild even when I didn't feel like going wild. And you know what? Sometimes it was a cover-up for my lack of. Some of you are knowing what I'm saying right now. And I would go to conferences where I would see a person that's been in the church for 30 years go like that. And I believe you need to do that every once in a while. But every single service, there's something wrong with you. We grow into a mold and a perspective where we are fearful that people will see that something's wrong with us so that we put on this. If, if, you, if, if I start walking around like Zachary, hey, hey, you guys will go, that guy's nuts. He's almost 40 years old. Well, when God moves you up into the things of the Spirit, stay on that road. You may not act the same and walk the same. That's all right. There's pitfalls for all of us, but you will grow and mature into the shape and vessel that God is playing for your life. And I almost became fearful at times. Now, I'm bearing my heart to you, but this, I believe this is a truth in a Spirit-filled movement that you can have people that are, they get a name for themselves on their hyperness. And as they begin to be developed by God and moved into things where God is purging uh, dark areas of their life, briars and thorns as it were, that it's not always the jump and the shout, but you feel inclined to do that so that you get acceptance by man. But it doesn't matter as long as the Lord Jesus Christ is in your presence and you are down, but he is up. I'm going to buy this tape after church tonight. The only tape I'm going to buy. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. Anxious, worried, fretful. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Cast all your cares upon the Lord for he careth for you. But... Mary was so caught up, or Martha, right? Oh, man. Whew. Martha was so caught up in doing the things around the church and getting noticed by everybody. Oh, man, you're so good. You're so good. And everybody else, or some folks would be getting deeper, and they'd be complaining. I'm going to tell you what, a complaining spirit will get on people sometimes when they see others that aren't doing as much as them, not knowing that they are following the Word of God and living out the will of God for their life. And this happens among pastors. This happens among preachers. This happens among church people. Well, I don't think they ought to be doing things that way. Complaining. I'm telling you what that complaining spirit, if it really gets a hold of you, will lead you down a dark path. And it will not be easy to extricate yourself when you've gone so far that you recognize that you've been cut off from God. Hallelujah. Complaining and bitterness are brothers and sisters. As a matter of fact, complaining is a manifestation of bitterness because we hold back the clenched teeth and the claws and the only thing that leaks out is complaint. Shh. 
I need someday to get a bigger picture of this, but I believe that, that I need to teach on anger. Anger, I've heard people say, you know, anger is God-given. I don't believe that. I believe anger is, a, is a, something that happened as a result of the fall of Adam. But God understood when Paul wrote, you know, be angry and sin not, God understood that there would be problems with human interaction. And so to alleviate pressure and anger is a, a hair trigger thing in, in some of us that be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. There's, you got to get rid of it. But anger becomes the seedbed for resentment. And resentment becomes the seedbed for bitterness. And bitterness becomes the seedbed for hatred. And when you get to hatred, it's been a long time since you've really felt God. And it was somewhere around the resentful stage that God began to withdraw. There was a man in Matthew chapter 18 that was forgiven the equivalent of $20 million. And instead of saying, oh, thank God, what grace. He said, have patience with me, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you back. His concept, his, his perspective was not one of thankfulness. His perspective was one of pride. Thank you. I feel it. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. It's not funny, but there is an aspect. There is still joy. Underneath this thing, there's joy, man. We're building on top of it. <clears throat> and the man went out and grabbed a brother that owed him $20 and grabbed him by the throat. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you what was behind in the heart was pride and unbelief. And you get those two things together because his pride had been wounded. He was angry. A wounded pride is a, is a nasty thing. I feel the Holy Ghost, man, just all over me right now, like we are just going somewhere here. God's wanting to do some operating here tonight. You know, the Lord is talking to some people right now. This man don't know a thing. It behoove us to listen to Jesus. That's how much he loves us. Hallelujah. And so when his master heard that he had gone out and done this to his brother, he called him back and he said, I thought I forgave you all that stuff. The problem was that his wounded pride had overruled the goodness of forgiveness. And his perspective was not, oh, thank God I'm forgiven. It was, I've been caught. And I'm going to tell you something now. When a person commits sin 
and they have to face it. It can be the chopping block or it can be a door. Because their pride will rise up and go, I know what I'm talking about. Or pride will, will, will not want to face it and just book. But it will start a procedure in a man's life that is extremely destructive. It has to be dealt with. <clears throat> Instead of humility and thankfulness for grace and forgiveness, you go the other route. And his Lord turned him over to the tormentors. Who are the tormentors? Tormentors are demonic spirits that instead of being held at bay by the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, the hedge that God builds around every child of God is taken away. And every serpent and every force of darkness comes against you like an onslaught. And that's why when there is adultery and there are sins of the flesh, that the root of that thing was not oh, just one day he fell into adultery. It was there was unforgiveness there and the spirit of God withdrew. He had no way to protect himself. You're wide open to that thing. And maybe it's not adultery. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's bitterness, wrath, rebellion. I'm going to, rebellion will sit like this in a church service. I'm going to tell you what, there's been things in my life that God's revealed to me that are scary. I'm not better than anybody in this room, and I need Jesus Christ. And every single one of us have the potential and the ability to find ourselves at odds with God. What do you mean, God doesn't still love me? Yes, God loves you. But you got to go back where the whole thing started and get it right. Now I've come out of, I'm going to tell you something. I've come out of some things I'm ashamed to talk about. I'll never talk about it. Especially in ministry situations. But I'm going to tell you something. When people come out of deep sin, they cannot afford to be unforgivers because that thing will come back on you. The blood will be temporarily removed from your life and those forces that once uh, oppressed you. I'm going to tell you something else. And I have lived with what I'm going to tell you tonight. If you cannot forgive yourself, it's like grabbing yourself and going, because I don't belong to myself. I am not my own. Oh, let's lift our hands and thank him for his presence. God is ministering here tonight. 
I did not know that we were walking down this pathway, but oh God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, have your will done, God. obey the Lord. Let's lift our hands and worship him. tonight is invaluable. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, mighty God, mighty God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Martha still had a lot of purging to have done in her life. But Mary, the part that she had chosen was the part that would remain in her.
Sister Elder, I want you to come. I want you to play. I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ again has moved. I am feeling a conviction of God in my life right now to where I am shaking. My wife can testify to this. This afternoon I could not sleep. I laid in the living room, I was trying to sleep, and finally, because I was so burdened in my heart for a certain individual in this church, I got up and I asked my wife, will you help me pray that tonight the Lord would speak and give us direction? We prayed. This man gets up tonight and just goes right down the line for us to have the healing that Jesus Christ wants us to have. I want us to know, church, that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. It is his mercy and his love that is reaching. Well, Brother Elder, you just don't know how I've been treated. Oh, yes, I do know how you've been treated. God, once and for all, wants to put that under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you in the fear of God tonight you better get your heart right with God and uh, I'm not trying to scare an individual tonight this is an odd service but I want to tell you this has been an odd revival the Lord Jesus Christ is not playing games in this city anymore 
Some of you have held resentment and bitterness in your heart against past ministers of your life that you never have got out of your life. you think Brother Elder is standing up here intimidated, I'm not. I have the Spirit of God behind me as I'm saying this. This man of God does not know one thing. He does not know one thing. Some other people need to come to this altar. See, Brother Elder, everybody would see. I'd rather everybody see than to lose my soul over some stinking little grudge that I got 10 or 12 years ago. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm going to tell you something else that I prayed tonight before I come to this church. I prayed, Lord, I want this resolved tonight tonight Lord I want it resolved I want us all to stand us to lift our hands and not because Brother Elder said to do this but I want us to pray right now dear God and Savior I'm asking you to again show some people the fallacy of pride You know, the sad thing of it is, is you think you have other people fooled, but they feel that when they get around you. They can feel that hatred. They can feel that bitterness. And the Lord loves you. There's no sense in that being in your life. He loves you. Brother Elder, I've seen failure. I want to tell you, you're going to see failure till Jesus Christ comes. You're going to see Brother Elder fail you. Brother Elder's going to make a commitment to you, and he's going to forget about it. And he, he's, not going to, he's not going to fulfill that commitment to you like he intended to. Not because he was not wanting to do that, but just because Brother Elder is human. 
and you can allow that to destroy your confidence or you can understand that Jesus Christ is the very one that I'm sitting at the feet of hallelujah I'm reaching for some people remember I said God resolve it tonight hallelujah let's pray church I've seen some people that were touched that needed to be touched by God I've seen some tears and some eyes that need tears in their eyes these altars are open I don't want nobody to pray with me. I'm feeling that spirit right now. You need to humble that spirit. Ain't nobody's business how I feel. It is our business. We're our, your brothers and sisters. We love you. Well, I don't want so-and-so to pray with me. You need to go ask so-and-so right now, that very so-and-so that you don't want to pray with you, you need to walk over to them and ask them to come and pray with you that you need help. Hallelujah. Come on. I feel the convicting power of God. Will you come? There's a sister in here that needs to be in this altar right now. Come on, sister. The Lord loves you. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. Hatamoko Shandala There's a brother here that needs to be in this altar. Jesus Christ is reaching for you. Come on. Come on. I want us all to come around these altars. Come on, church. You can come with the church if you don't want anybody to know how you're feeling. Come on. Come with the church. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ loves you. The power of love is greater than the power of bitterness and regret.
Free. 